Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 43 of Big League Flicks, a sports movie podcast. I'm Jamie McKinman, and as always, I'm joined by my co-hosts, Christian Webster and Jordan Reed. What's going on tonight, boys? Well, the backs of my knees aren't sweating, so I'm doing okay. <laughs> <laughs> Jerry, you're a sweaty beast. Backs of my knees are sweating. This is a. It's a. Does warm... that mean you're coming into money, or is that something? Uh, I don't know. I don't know what that. It's means. a warm one today uh, in the uh, bright limestone city. It kind of reminds me of uh, our very first episode over a year ago Ooh, now, fellas. Yeah. I, so I just got the notification. It's been a year. Look just last that. week was a That's year. Crazy guys. Look at 40, that. 42 episodes now. Forty three. Later, we one year. That's crazy. Yeah, That's it wild. Is. Yeah, it seems like yesterday too. Well done, fellas. Oh, yeah. Well, uh, today we have we're jumping back to our childhood again with another movie. I feel like we've how many movies have we done from 1993? It's been a few. A big year. That was a big year for sports movies. movies big like. year. A lot of like younger generation movies too. Younger. Kid oh yeah, like audience. Absolutely. So this one's another one. Don't think it's a Disney movie per se, but it's got that feel. It's a rookie of the year. Thinks that he's actually gonna play today. Henry Rowan Gardner had a dream. Rowan Gardner, get in the right field. Play in the major leagues. Only one thing. I got it. Stood in his way. Home, home. Reality. Until one day, everything fell into place. How long will he have to be in the cast? August. And now rotate from the shoulder, slowly. Oh! oh whoa! Funky butt-loving! Did he say funky butt-loving? Those tendons have healed uh, a little tight. Now, the kid who wasn't good enough for little league... Mom, watch this! Wait. ...is pitching... Gosh, Henry, you can play for the Cubs! In the big leagues. I'm the new pitcher. Twelve-year-old Henry Rowan Gardner, the youngest person in history to play Major League Baseball. Hi, Henry. Welcome to the big show. But what can one sixth grader do against pros like these? Give me the good stuff. Anything he wants. This summer, the majors will be answering to a minor. Pitcher's got a big butt. Pitcher's got a big butt. Rookie of the year. Gotcha. So before we jump into the movie, we always crack a top. On a cold beer. This one, this one's not as cold, but we'll give it a go. I don't think you're supposed to drink it as cold. But uh, without further ado, let's get into our brew review. So what are we drinking this week, Web? 
Well, boys, this week's choice is inspired by Henry's masterful execution of the EFIS pitch and comes to us once again from our friends at Left Field Brewery in Toronto. EFIS, the oatmeal brown ale, is coming into the pen at 5.5% and finds its sweet spot with aromas of roasted malts, toasted nuts, a touch of bitterness, and surprisingly creamy, smoothie taste. Be sure to try and pair it with your favorite pulled pork sandwich or a nice bag of toasted peanuts to really take your taste buds deep to center field. For more information on this and many of their other fine beers, products, events, and services, be sure to check them out at leftfieldbrewery.ca give them a follow on all major social media platforms or visit them at the brewery and enjoy enjoy a cold point pint in person and as always big league flicks reminds you to please enjoy responsibly and always ensure you have a safe ride home cheers boys cheers cheers well done well red web all right i'm gonna take a sip here and we'll see where we go So I'm doing this one out of a glass. I had to do this one out of a glass tonight just because of the, it's a very dark, hearthy beer. Is that a word? Hearthy? hearthy. You just made one. Hearty. <laughs> hearty. Earthy and hearty. You know what, together, what, what's that thing? The hearth. Remember the, the hearth? Hearth. Hearth over the fireplace. Yeah. Isn't that a hearth? Well, it tastes like it's over the fireplace a little bit, but. This is bad. I'm just going to call it <laughs> this. <laughs> I'm sorry. This is really bad. I said to Weber earlier, I'm like, I'm not a bad beer drinker, but this one's not very good. This is two in a row from Left Field Brewery. The one with Smalls, the Sunflower Seeds. Now we got the old Ephus. I just think that's the wrong season maybe for it. It's Now that I've... Because uh, I had my first sip out of the can and I wasn't a huge fan of that. Now that it's settled in the glass, it's actually not that bad. It's tough for... A, one of the hottest days of the summer. It's not a good summer beer. It's not a good beer period. I'm sorry. And in the, I don't know, they're, they're suggesting of uh, matching it up with peanuts. I don't think, I think, it, oh. I think it feels like maybe there's some ground up peanuts in this. <laughs> like, I feel like I need my Swiss army knife to eat, to drink this thing. Cause like, do I cut it? Do I eat it? Do I spoon it? Do I fork? Do I drink? It's what a, do I do it's with a this thick thing? one, but it's very bitter. It's definitely Ooh. got a bitter aftertone. I do. Tastes kind of like a notesy. It'd be a really good like after dinner winter beer because it's got you know kind of a coffee tone to it. I don't know. It's kind of I don't mind it that much now that I'm having it out of the glass. <laughs> it for the listeners there. It, if you've had the Saint Ambrose Oatmeal Stout, it has a similar kind of I'll say taste and flavor to it, but a little bit like a lot more bitter than that Saint Ambrose one. I, I find it. Yeah, it, this one's going to be a hard one to get all the way through, especially on a hot day like today. Yeah. It's not bad. It's just no. probably not the right season for it. But, uh, I mean, it was this. They also have a beer called Wrigleyville, which could have been a good choice for, oh, for yeah. today. But that was, I think that's a double IPA or something. Oh, so, yeah. either way, we're biting off a lot. If you're going to skip dessert, you know, it's a you just had a nice winter meal. You're going to skip dessert. Maybe everyone's having a cheesecake and you're going to snap into one of these. Then it'd be okay. I was going to say, with a nice hearty stew. Oh, I, be good I, I, no, I disagree yeah. with everything. No right. way. This is not for me. I'm the old Ephus. I'm going to uh, let this one fly, fly away. <laughs> fly away. Sorry, fellas. So, uh, as we mentioned, this week we're doing Rookie of the Year, directed by Daniel Stern, distributed in 1993 by 20th Century Fox. Got a 6.1 rating on Internet Movie, movie Database, only 35% on Rotten Tomatoes. A uh, budget of $31 million, grossed $56.5 million at the box office. Music by our boy Bill Conti from Rocky. I remember him. Fly away now. Uh, starring Thomas Ian Nicholas, Gary Busey, Amy Morton, Dan Hedaya, and Daniel Stern. A little quick movie synopsis. A freak accident causes 12-year-old Little Leaguer player... 
uh, Henry Rowan Gardner to become such a dominant power arm that the Chicago Cubs signed the junior high student to a contract. Unprepared for such a high-pressure environment, Henry falters until aging pitching ace Chet Stedman takes him under his wing and teaches him how to play in the big leagues. Can Henry handle everything that comes with fame and fortune of being a premier major league talent? Let's jump into our character review, and let's start with Henry Rowan Gartner, Rugenfluter, or whatever you want to call him. <laughs> Gardenhoser. <laughs> uh, played by Thomas Ian Nicholas. What do we think of him, JR? Uh, I always like Henry. I mean, I've watched this movie so many times. I owned the VHS growing up. I like the story of Henry. He's the kind of the baseball romantic of the group, I guess you could say. Um, that voice on him and the crack of the voice and all those types of things I wrote down. Woo, tough one, Henry. But uh, I love just his love of the ball game. He Henry's loves being at the ballpark. Henry's got a good flow. He's got great he's got flow. Good head he's of hair a nice kid. He, he is. He's, he's, got, a got, nice he's got Christian Webster-esque hair. Yeah, he's a very nice kid. He's yeah. annoying as all hell, but he's a very nice yeah, kid. He, he is a nice kid. Very polite. I mean, I've, I show this movie. Obedient. Uh, he is obedient. I've watched it. It's because um, Jack beat him down so badly over the last couple of years. <laughs> I'm trying to find stuff, to, nice things to say about him. He does a great job being the lead guy. Yeah. And I mean, he you got to take this story for what it is. I mean, brutal organization. The what was that it's other movie he day. did like a couple years later or a year later? A kid American King Pie? Ar- no, a kid in King Arthur's Court. Yeah. Oh, okay. There's another one. He plays like a baseball little leaguer in it or something and he gets sent back in time or something goofy oh, like gosh. that i'll always have a soft spot for henry rowan gartner just as like a childhood yeah. 1993 movie and i'll t- always have one for him would he take tara reed down in yeah american i was gonna pie? say american yeah. pie takes tara before reed she down. got into the old uh <laughs> yeah but seven candy. years later into the in the booger dust or whatever it was booger dust <laughs> <laughs> so i mean i like him web can't really go wrong with henry he's fine for me yeah i mean he he's uh, I'll say uh, very likable. I like I like what you said there. He's very likable. He is polite. He'd be the uh, an annoying teammate one because he sucks, and two because he's just really really annoying. He never shuts up. He's a little too keen. A little too keen. Never shuts up. Very high school Harry. Yeah. Um, but he's also thirteen, so you kind of expect that to happen. Yeah. Kids are gonna like. They like to talk and talk and talk. Oh and yeah. Talk. Yeah. I think he's. I think he's. Uh, <laughs> he's a good kid. Solid. <laughs> solid friend. You know, like I said, obedient, good kid. I don't know. Likes to have fun. Yeah. I got nothing. It's hard to rip on a 13-year-old kid. Yeah. Uh, I like him. I don't like his pitching mechanics, but I like him. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> I mean, his pitching well, coach, Brigma, Brigma, could use some work. Brigma. Brigma. Brigma is a hell of a... He must do yoga, eh? Getting stuck in between the doors like that. That's yeah, one hell a, of a... He can get his way in it. One hell of a contortionist. His ankles, I don't know how they turn that way, but <laughs> something else. Uh, let's jump to Mary Rowan Gartner, played by Amy Morton, who's in a show called Chicago PD. Oh, yes, that's that right. Totally remember her from. Um, yeah, same idea. Very like likable character. You kind of got behind her the way she supports her uh, son. That's for sure. Um, I thought she was. It, I thought that part with her in the end, her glove. That's always kind of a cool part mm-hmm. of the movie. I mean, again. You know, it's rookie of the year. That was always kind of a neat part, and I appreciate how strong she stayed and how much she loved her kid. Bit of a Jezebel. Yeah, absolutely. Bit of a Jezebel. She sees the rocket out there, and she says, hey, rocket's giving me the old uh, one, putting the one finger down, and time to go. Uh, Yeah, she's a little bit of a Jezebel. Poor Jack. Jack doesn't even see it come until it's too late. He likes the rocket stash. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mustache rides for everybody. And just his his whole uh, demeanor. 
Yeah. Pre-Quaalude, Busey is like, he's, he's a good stud back in those days. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Although I will say anything with Busey, Busey and Entourage is some of the best episodes. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Hilarious. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, he's something else. I mean, I, I really liked Mary. I thought she was really genuine in the role. I thought she played it really, like, she did played a really genuine role. There's a lot of, like, emotion and she didn't feel, I didn't feel like there was a lot, that she was doing a lot of acting. I just felt there's some really touching moments between her and Henry because of that single mom thing. I thought she did play the role really well. And I kind of had a crush on Mary. Yeah. I used to, I used to kind of have a crush on her back in the day in this movie too. They actually had pretty good chemistry. Yeah. They did. It's very believable. It's very believable. Yeah. 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 Very believable. Coming through with the Cubs tickets when she, he gets his cast off. That's a, Big time mom move too. Yeah, like, absolutely. She could huge, throw a good, huge good right hook too. Oh yeah. Yeah, know it. Straight, straight right. Yeah, it's a good shot. Uh, let's move on to Chet Stedman, played by Gary Busey. Oh, probably the, my favorite character in the movie. Love Chet. Stedman. Just a pro, an old grizzled old pro. His uh, everything about him, the uh, the demeanors, the grabbing the arm every five seconds, everything he did. <laughs> I don't do autographs. I love all that kind of stuff. Of just like yeah. the old disgruntled pro who's probably played for the Cubs forever and has probably won squat in his career. Yeah, he does a good job representing the Cubs. And in that era, there was a lot of lean years for the old Cubbies. I think they made eighty four, maybe in eighty eight, they made the playoffs eighty nine, but they got wiped as soon as they went, and that's. If you actually look at the Cubs, those are some lean times. I watched a lot of Cubs games during that time because I remember we had the WGN yep. channel. Yep. Remember that? Package. And every, I remember they played a lot of afternoons. Tuesday afternoons. A lot of afternoon games. So I remember coming home from school or whatever. Mm-hmm. I'd usually catch the last half of the game. And it was great because it was Harry Carey. Harry Carey. Harry Carey in the ballpark. I'm Harry Carey. Chicago Cubs baseball. And he always butchers so many names. I remember because, you know, it was fun watching the Expos during that era because they were sick right they had all those studs we all loved yes. growing up and i remember they played a lot and they were in the same division i don't th- or were they were they in because the- they moved to the central from the they were they weren't in the central the Expos were in like the ale and i would think they would be in the nl east but they're the still Cubs, in the, the Cubs weren't in the central during that time no i'm not sure they I might have remember. played out of the east they were in a different division it was well was, well arizona wouldn't have been in the league but then, i remember right? the cubs played the expos a lot mm-hmm. and i remember uh, harry Carey, the hardest name he ever he butchered a lot of names but the name he could never get was mark Redzelanik. oh god <laughs> it was it was like a tire fire or whatever you call it trying to get him to announce mark Redzelanik. Gergazulanek. <laughs> it was just like uh, this. What's his name? This manager here, Saul Martinell, trying to get Henry Rongartner's yeah. name down. It was the same thing. That's awesome. Busey, That's Busey in this role has a level of grumpiness that I aspire to. Oh my oh, god! Yeah, yes. he's like, like your he's, role model. Yeah, he's my role model, huge for his level of. <sighs> and he has a sick duster. Good. Everything about him, his flow is sick. Yeah. Everything about him, yeah. Jack a game, not very strong, but his car game. Very strong. His level yeah. of being an old pro is pretty cool. You know what I love about it? And they did it, I mean, the same with Jake Taylor and those guys. You know what the go-to was for these guys, especially ball players in these movies, was uh, the jeans with the sport jacket. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. With, like, and the shoulder jacket. pads. Yes. Yeah. It's still kind of Like, Jake cool. Taylor had that, like, it's still cool jacket with the jeans. Yeah. You know? if you're an old Oversized. Vet, I will say this, though. If you've got a nickname like the Rocket, don't you think your Corvette color of your car is going to be a little bit, like, it was a pretty ugly color. Fair enough. You got to have a little bit more of a flashier car than that. I'm going to have a Ferrari. 
Yeah. I'm not he having doesn't a strike. He doesn't. Say, no, he strikes me as an American made muscle the Cubs, car. I want a Ferrari. I think he his. I would say his heyday. His heyday would have been like early 80s 80 to 87 yeah yeah so i think that is the car he may not have gotten the huge payday like he may have missed those years right that's very true so those guys were kind of i don't know they just i don't think they had they didn't make as much money in that era so might might be a little more realistic there yeah i love gary Busey. love chad stedman love the character i thought he played it really well oh yeah and it was yeah it was perfect to have the grizzled old vet like that um who do you think they based it off of I've heard rumors it's Roger Clemens. I don't think it's he's comparison. I mean, to the Roger Rocket Clemens. would the be Rocket nickname is nickname would be that. But in '93, uh, Roger was still dealing. He was really. He kind of hit a wall in '96. That's when the Red Sox gave up on him, and that's and when he, he went. The he Jays. got the B12 shot. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> then he came to the Jays and won a Cy Young. Yeah, and then his career took off again. Yeah, but it was B12 shots. That's all it was. Yeah, I don't feel like he's based off. Well, I can't I mean, say it's Roger Clemens. You could base him off a declining power righty of the '93, but I, off the top of my head, I'm not sure. Like uh, Nolan Ryan. No, Ryan he's not. There. He would have been done by then. He's not. Yeah, no, no but like loosely legit. based on loosely him, based like, off a guy like that. Yeah, Nolan yeah. Ryan strikes me as a guy that would have been grumpier towards the tail end of his career. I don't think Nolan Ryan ever really hit the wall though. Not as not no. like, not as much. Nolan Ryan. Nobody is, was calling for booing Nolan Ryan at the end. Oh of his God, career. no! Nolan Ryan still threw out an opening game pitch <laughs> yeah. a couple years ago. He threw eighty-five. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> He never lost anything. He's like no. 70-something throwing 85 miles per hour so as an good. opening pitch. And he made them bring out the real catcher because he was going to pump it. I can't even think of guys who were fizzling out in 93 like Frank Viola. Uh, <laughs> like Burt Blylevin or somebody maybe? I really guys. don't know. I'm trying to think of Sutton. old pros. On Sutton, yeah. <laughs> no, those uh, guys were I don't really know. Weird. I don't know of old pros back then who would be. I, I just... It was so young. Yeah. Pretty hard to tell. Like, uh, like a Dave Steeb. Maybe Dave Steeb. That's a good comparison. Good. Steve. Steve. Good. Doc. Fading out by that. Well, the Doc made a comeback with the he Yankees. He made a comeback. Oh, that's true. Yeah. World he, Series. He was fairly still young enough. He was in his 20s. Still. Dave Steve might be. Well, right. we're thinking Dusters, too, right? Jack Morris. Jack Morris Jack was, went the world. Yeah. No, he would have been dealing still by then. No, not in 93. Did he win in 93? Didn't he win like 20 games for the Jays in 93? 92, 92? 93? 91 or 92. In 91 in game 70 pitched 10 innings for the Twins. Yeah. That's amazing. Oh, so it would have been 92 with 92 the Jays. With but the I, don't, I think he pretty much was close to being retired at the end of that. Fair enough. It could be. We're just thinking mustache. They're not booing him though. Point. Yeah. Jack, let's Jack call it like it is. We're it just looking for pitches with sick dusters. Gamer, yeah. you came with two. Well played. Yeah. Let's move on to Larry Fish Fisher, played by Dan Hedaya, who was... Uh, do you remember Dan Hedaya from Cheers? He was on Cheers. Yeah. He was Carla, Carla Tortelli's... Uh, he was Nick, Nick Tortelli. Nick Tortelli. <laughs> he was dirty. <laughs> He's such a scumbag. Bring me that off. No. Um, remember he always look at a caller with one eye? Uh, uh, no, I don't like him whatsoever. His character, I guess, was good to have, like, you needed somebody to segue the greed of baseball. He, and he always the plays gap. that character. He's got to be a, a scumbag. Yeah. He's a total scumbag. He looks like a scumbag. toxic talks like so. He was in uh, what's that movie too? Uh, um, uh, Adam's Family. He plays the same thing in Adam's Family. Yeah, he, he he's the vehicle to the scumbag's shady side of baseball. He's a he's your villain in like a kids movie, is yeah. what he is because he's cheesy and he's not really that threatening. Yeah, so this I, is amazing. He's scared so bad. I'm sorry, I just took a sip and I literally almost vomited in my your mouth. Face, your face is tough. Oh. Uh, let's move on to Jack Bradfield, played by Bruce Altman. Uh, did he not remind you of George Costanza a little bit? 
Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Did he not? He, did. he has so many like, George Costanza comparisons. Like Costanza when he yeah, like, like Manager! I'm his manager. And like the Miata, like John Boyd's car when yeah, he's yeah. driving the Miata and he forgot to put the e brake on. But he has like, to like, climb out on his hands yeah. just to get out of the car because it's so small. <laughs> what a loser. Mary can do way better and she did. Yeah. That guy's just like, same idea. He helps he's the he's villain past of the, the coverage for sure. Way past the coverage. That purple shirt on the three week anniversary he comes in or whatever. Like, and the top button God. done up. Didn't you always have the top button done up? Too? He was a loser. Did you guys ever watch Sopranos? I didn't watch enough of it. We talked about this mm-hmm. last week. Do you remember him yep. in the Sopranos? Oh. He essentially plays the same exact character. So in get, how does he get whacked? In the last yeah, he doesn't. So in the last season, he sells this beach house out down on the shore to Tony. Oh, and he's okay. that guy and he's like a doctor or something like that and uh tony tries to sell it back to him because he's going through shit and he refuses right. to sell it back to him and uh take it and, and go he wants to push forward the sale so tony has like the goons drive benny and a couple of he pulls up in this massive boat and they just blare sinatra from the boat like and and just basically cause like a shit storm it's awesome but he basically plays the same exact character. It's hilarious. He, he has that punchable face. Too. Oh, 100%. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Which Slap Mary home. indulges. Very well. Yeah. Let's move on to Phil Breckma, played by Daniel Stern. Breckma. He, he's, he's something. He's pretty good comic relief for the show. That's for sure, Webb. I just... Nice job, Daniel Stern. Pretty funny facial reactions. Some good scenes, Webb. Go for it. He wrote this movie? Uh, I directed it. He directed it? I thought it was written by him, too. I'll double check, but I don't... I thought I caught that in the credits. Maybe I was wrong. But still, like I, I'm kind of curious where this comes from. He would have had big money by this point. Oh, yeah. He had Home Alone come out yet? Home Alone. But he was doing the voiceover for for uh, Wonder Years at this point. Yep, Wonder he Years have, started. Yeah, he, he would have been doing He's some... He's turning out a few things. He'd been, sure. he'd been doing okay. City Slickers? Not yet, right? No, it, mm-hmm. yeah, that was, yeah. By ninety three, yep. Okay, so Could like ninety two, maybe ninety one. I was gonna say he he he's he's done okay financially. I just uh, it was written by Sam Harper. Okay, but for him to direct it, he has enough clout and ability and financial ability. To yeah, go for it. I, I don't. Think he's win. a Chicago guy. He. Dan, I was gonna Dan, say there's got to be some kind Dan of tie Stern into the is Cubs. Part of the you know all these directors and people they have their boys like uh, so for example. Um, Home Alone was Chicago too. Yeah, so it, yeah. Home Alone was a was a was a John Hughes movie, right? So John Hughes is a huge Chicago guy. Like he, that's why like he, Ferris Bueller, Chicago. Yeah, you're right. It's the same high school. John Hughes is too. from Chicago. He loves Chicago. Lived in Chicago. Right. Rest in peace. He's passed. But um, in John Candy's a big John Hughes guy. Yep. So John Candy was in Home Alone. John Candy's in this. Daniel Stern's in Home Alone. Daniel Stern's in this. So he, John Hughes was not credited on any of this or whatever. I can't remember if he's still alive at this time. I think he was. But this has a lot of like John Hughes touches to it. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of people that were John Hughes' disciples that were part of this. And I'm not sure if the writers are or whatever or the producers are. But there's the whole Chicago vibe, even the way some of the movie's done. It's got that... John Hughes' movies, they always have the happy ending, and there's the... Ferris Bueller's got lots of Wrigley Field. In it. Yeah. There is, yep. That's a good point. Yep. Yeah, you're making points. So there's a lot of Chicago connections in this. Fair enough. And a lot of those people are. I know. I don't know if Daniel Stern's from Chicago, but he's got a lot of... He's got... I, I got really... I mean, I don't have a ton to add on Brickma. Mm-hmm. Uh, the scene where he asked the two attractive girls to move out of the way so he can play pinball still it's makes funny. me laugh. <laughs> yeah. 
Daniel Stern's that from, choking on the the, the <laughs> seeds at the beginning is pretty funny. Daniel Stern's from Bethesda, Maryland. Maryland. So, but I think he, I think he lived or lives in Chicago or whatever. But fair yeah, enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, are there any other notable characters you want to mention? Stand out for you guys. Well, the uh, I think we have to mention Cliff, guys. R.I.P. John Candy. Yes. He was great. Cliff Murdoch. You know, you need the uh, overzealous announcer. Yeah. And he reminds you, you know, oh, Chicago. And then how about it starts? He kind of has follows the arc of the story, too, where he's not disinterested. He doesn't care. And all of a sudden, he gets into it a little bit more. I love the self-deprecating guy. That's, <clears throat> you know, you've been the announcer for a team that's been losing for years and years. You know what I mean? Like that. Yeah. Who do you rather Harry have Doyle. a game, him or... I was going to say Harry Doyle? Bob Euchre. Oh, I, want, I want Harry Doyle. You want Harry Doyle yeah. calling you? I want Harry Doyle calling Harry Doyle's a little better. Yeah. Just because yeah. he's... I, I feel like... He's an actual announcer, too. Like he's got That's to, right. He's got a lot of inside jokes, and he can make he can make a quick joke out of a baseball term. And he's got Marty. Do you know what I really like? Journalism school experience. Do you know oh, what I... Hit. <laughs> caught. Caught. <laughs> Do you know what I really like about John Candy in this particular movie? Is you get a glimpse into his like i'll say darker sarcastic side a little bit yeah. more that you don't necessarily get in a bunch of his other movies although you know it's funny uh, it's kind of funny that i watched i actually watched rookie there this morning because cleo i woke up early and cleo was still sleeping she sleeps in a bit now uh but yesterday we watched uncle buck i introduced her to uncle oh, buck nice i forgot how funny uncle buck was it's hilarious <laughs> it's classic and another really? john hughes one right yeah mm-hmm. so. but like again like in a lot of that one yeah, but he's still pretty goofy. He is. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, and he has that big goofy. He guy. plays the jovial fat guy. That's right. Like it is. Actually, yeah. it's funny though. In Uncle Buck, there's so many things that I'm like, oh, that wouldn't fly today. You know, things, right? Like yeah. he's he's basically physically assaulting this teenage high, fifteen year old high schooler, and I'm like, okay, <laughs> that's, yeah. It's just crazy though to think like it would have been so neat to see John Candy take on like a, a dr- like a really dramatic role or something to see that kind of like shift because i think watching like glimpses of this now looking at it like every time i see john candy my first movie that comes to me always is spaceballs i, yeah. I don't know why but like i just and he's hilarious in it um but yeah, to see him and this kind of role where great he, outdoors is one great Probably. outdoors is another i watched one, that yeah. last week that's yeah. probably my john candy movie Did you that watch comes good- to mind one of my favorite scenes, and it's a subtle scene. I'm sorry to just cut in real quickly, but and I, I have to rewind it so many times because I fall out of my chair laughing. Is when Dan Hackard's in the bathroom, and uh, he's talking about how he needs to spend more. He wants to spend more time with the family and everything like that. Then his phone rings, and his and his wife's talking to him, and he's like, "Can it, honey? I'm talking business here." <laughs> <laughs> I die every time. Just the way it's, the way he says it. Oh, that's funny. Or he's like, stuff, stuff a socket or something. Like, I can't remember what he says, but it just kills me. I watched it time. last weekend. Great movie. <laughs> Anyways, yeah. John Candy. Gone too soon for sure. Yeah, he was a he was a gem. Uh notable characters. I don't I don't really have any other than the ones we've kind of mentioned. The 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 two buddies i guess are good buddies you george and them. clark george and clark, george and clark you they need them good. you they need them good. and julie the cat's a nice sat on i didn't uh, like george i wanted to give a shout out to windermere well yeah windermere, windermere. 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 you know what <laughs> i think windermere was he was a tragedy a casualty if you want to call it of just not having proper um you know sinus medication at the time i think he would have been a stud no I think he could Windermere? Play. Hell of an athlete. No Windermere 
no Henry Roengartner. That's right. Because if Windermere didn't have his uh, asthma, which the coach didn't believe, uh, um, Henry doesn't get to go in and be brutal. And then his buddies don't shoot the ball or kick the or hit the ball to him the other day, the next day, sorry. And Henry doesn't trip on the thing. It's a good point, Jr. Windermere. I I think if Windermere had some Claritin, we might have been looking at a stud hall of fame type. Flonase. I think Flonase would have helped. Flonase would have helped. Yeah. (laughs) Sudafed. Anything. All right, let's jump into some quotes. Any quotes stood out for you guys? Yeah, I had. Couple of ones that I had on here. First of all, when the um, Cubs owner, if I'm drawing a blank on his name right now, three dollars for a hot dog. Yeah, that's a pretty funny quote. And back then, I mean, three dollars now for a hot dog. Mr. Duncan's toy chest. Yeah, that. <laughs> Cleo was uh, Cleo was watching it with me, and she was like, three dollars for a hot dog. That's crazy. It is expensive. I go, honey, it's it's like six or seven bucks now for a hot dog. Yeah, go to a Jays game, and you're like, yeah. Good lord. Um, That's a bargain. The doctor, Funky Butt Lovin', was always one of my favorite ones (laughs) as a kid. Funky? Did did he say Funky Butt Lovin'? That was funny. (laughs) That still comes out as hilarious. Um, And then I just put in the, uh, talking to Winterman, I put in the Pirates coach, yikes. None of that asthma either. (laughs) (laughs) We all had coaches like that. Oh, yeah, go for it. uh, Milk's done that body good. Such a pervy line. George? By yeah, George. By George. <laughs> like just pure thirteen year old. Uh when he they're in the bleachers and they're yelling throw it back and then he does and he's like, You show me up, kid <laughs> his yeah. buddy holds him back. He'd kill you. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, that's good one. Uh I ain't seen the floater pitch since Scuffy McGee. That always made me laugh. <laughs> uh and sweet meat pies, the little fellow's going to bat. John Candy, that amazing. Was one of his, uh, he's classics. got some doozies in this yeah. one. Uh, hot ice, hot ice. Heat up the ice cubes. Yeah. Um, yeah, some of the like Phil Brickma stuff too. He wraps his cake up in a vomit bag and voila, breakfast, <laughs> breakfast. <laughs> Conservation, managing resources. That's the key to baseball. <laughs> and uh, what's the other one? He talks about three R's: readiness, recuperation, and conditioning. <laughs> he's got some classic ones in there. Um, Bob Carson. And they're talking about him. Uh, oh boy, fish! Look a decoder ring. I got it out of a Cracker Jack box. Look, it fits on your finger. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's great, Uncle Bob. He's turning into a Cracker Jack. <laughs> Some of the Uncle Bob. That's fear, Nick Tortelli. Oh yeah, absolutely. Phil Breckman too. Punctuality, Henry. Without it, time stands still. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, let's jump into some little-known facts. So, following the film's release, Thomas Ian Nicholas threw out the first pitch at multiple Cubs games and was also invited to sing Take Me Out to the Ball Game multiple, multiple times during the customary seventh-inning stretch at Wrigley Field. During the 2015 National League Championship Series, where the Cubs faced the Mets as they did in the movie, he attended Game 4 in a Rowan Gartner number 1 jersey similar to what he wore during the film Unfortunately, the Cubs lost 8-3, knocking them out of the postseason. Oh, too bad. Too bad, eh, JR? <laughs> Suck it, Cubs. JR, on a scale of 1 to 10, mm-hmm. how much did you love the opening scene of this movie? It's a really long intro. <laughs> I was thinking about that today. It is, actually. I was thinking, I was like, I, and it's pure, it later. it's pure Cubbies, and I thought the whole I time, I liked it because uh, I'll talk about it later. I love, yeah. I love movies of that era. And I love the thing I loved about the intro was it shows all the things about baseball that are kind of romantic to me, like the they're getting the the mm-hmm. lines ready. Yeah. Um. You know, you see the sprinklers in the outfield. 
And you see the ticket people getting ready, and yeah, the you see everything in. behind the scenes. Yeah, and, and I just love that. And there's nothing team. better than getting to the ball club early, like before batting practice, where you know you're going to be able to sit there, mm-hmm. grab a beer, watch batting batting practice, watch the guys come up like we did. Remember that time we watched batting practice, and it was the end of batting practice, and the guys from the Braves were just having a home run derby, and we fi- we actually figured it out. It was the four starting pitchers that weren't pitching that day mashing oh yeah that's right rushing balls and uh, shelby miller was hitting these towering bombs we're like who are these guys and we looked up the program and it was literally the starting pitchers that's how good of athletes these guys yeah, are having crazy. a home run derby and they're all i forgot bombs. about that donaldson hit a walk-off bomb that day that's yeah, true he did a big game and when it was, was pouring rain the dome was closed that day that's true yeah sorry we took a walk down memory lane we yeah. did yeah but i just i love that i love the those scenes like the, that's one thing yeah. we really like about this movie yep. yeah Good intro. Cubs um, <laughs> so when Henry has to take his first uh, at bat against the Dodgers, the pitcher that's in the in the scene is actually a real life pitcher, Tim Stoddard. Stoddard was a technical advisor on the baseball scenes in the movie. Coincidentally, Stoddard was actually a pitcher for the Cubs in real life. He pitched on the '84 Cubs team that won the NL East title and eventually lost to the San Diego Padres in the NLCS. So had some. There were. You could tell that somebody was. They had. There was a few realistic things in the movie. Some of the gameplay mm-hmm. was real. You know, some of that type of stuff. The extras looked like they were guys that maybe played in the minors. You could do or a little something. bit. Yeah, yeah, totally good. So there was. You could tell there was some. Whoever they had as their consultant knew newest stuff. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of interesting to see that Tim Stoddard. So this is gonna this is gonna break your guy's heart, but Chet Stedman's mustache was actually fake. What? Oh come on! Come on, Busey. So Busey, we had done a movie recently where he had to be clean shaven for. So oh. the, they wanted him to have this like prominent mustache, so they ended up putting a fake mustache. I wonder if he grew in later because it looked so cool. I know. I you got to think that it looked. He's cool. got to look back at this movie and go, listen, Henry's mom. You know, she was digging it. Yeah, like put the crack pipe down. I'm gonna do this. Regroup, grow a duster, get your hair out. He's got a nice sandy blonde duster. Come I on. know. He's handsome in this one. Handsome prick. He's got some good flow. Great he flow, Web. So Chet Stedman is based on popular. So yeah, this is what we were talking about earlier. So he, I guess he actually was based on popular Major League Baseball player Roger Clemens, whose nickname was the Rocket. It just seems odd to me at that time because. Roger Clemens was still pitching at a high level. And, it was good. Because they probably Incredible. shot it in 92, maybe early yeah. 93. But the, the loosely tied to could just literally be the nickname Rocket. Yeah. The idea that he was a flamethrower. Yeah. Overpowering, dominant. Grabbing the arm every five seconds. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. And where did, where, what was the thing with like the, the, the guitar solo every time he did that? Could say that for the music. Guitar Uh-oh. riff every Uh-oh. time he, his arm got hurt. Uh-oh. Like, I hope that when I get older, well, I actually, I get a lot of like weird pains like that now. I would like a guitar riff every time <laughs> I get out of bed and my knees start hurting or my back hurts. My, like, hip <laughs> my hip cracks. My hip cracks. I want somebody to play a guitar riff for me in my like soundtrack of life when, my, when I <laughs> have these aches and pains. Or you don't get a traffic light. <laughs> 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 like the kid with the, the trombone I sent you guys. Yeah. <laughs> That's still one of my favorite videos. Oh, uh, anyway, um, actress Colom—I don't even know how I'm going to pronounce this—Colom Jacobson Durstein. Well done, woo, Colom. It's such a weird name for Colom. Colom, like Colom Jacobson Durstein. Colom. 
Col- I would say column or column. Yeah, uh, I don't you know. Sound, you sound way Man, off. That sounds impressive. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, so Julie the Cat. I'm going to call her Julie the Cat. There you go. Who plays Becky, a.k.a. Henry's love interest, is a native of Chicago, Illinois. Additionally, her next two film roles after Rookie of the Year were in another popular sports film franchise, The Mighty Ducks. She played Julie the Cat Gaffney in D2 and D3. What a glove hand. According to IMDb, she hasn't done much since uh, 2014, by the looks of it. I'd put her in over Goldberg at this point. Absolutely. Great well, that goal. was sexism. Gordon Bombay's a sexist. He wouldn't put her in. Oh, yeah. And he knew that Goldberg was dog shit. So. <laughs> <laughs> Gordon what does that come back? We haven't done D2 yet. We should no. do D2 soon. Uh, in the scene where Henry looks up into the stands and says to his mom, Mom, it was you, when he sees the thing in a glove, uh, they actually surprised Thomas Ian Nicholas by bringing in his actual mom. So he had a he had a cue where he's supposed to turn and look up and find Mary in the stands. So they switched out Amy Morton for his actual mom. So when he saw her, he kind of got emotional and had this like uh, reaction. And that's the shot they used in the film. It's a great idea. Apparently, apparently, Daniel Stern wanted it to be a very emotional moment, and he thought, "Let's try this." Because his mom yeah. apparently was—I think she was flying in to meet him, or something like that. Or he was, it was supposed to be a surprise anyway that she was going to be there a couple days earlier, or something like that. Anyway, cool. they nice. brought it in, and it, I think it—that's a kind of a nice moment in the film, actually. I do rem- before reading this, I remember thinking in that moment, it's like. And as a, you know, when you get, as a parent, you get a little bit more emotional, as we mentioned. Yeah. Henry and Mary are good. Yeah. Yeah. They're they, good. They have great chemistry. Yep. Yeah. So originally it was. Very written- much like Charlie Conway and his mom. Oh, That's right. very good point. Very yeah. good point. Originally it was written in the film that Henry would get, hit a grand slam in his first major league at bat by holding the bat in his dominant arm and swinging. <laughs> the scene was omitted prior to production. Thank God. <laughs> Web, you look like you're gonna can you imagine Dear lord we're stretching already pun intended on this one how far we can go like you can't have a guy with a supersonic bat it's like whack it's like we baseball at this point it just yeah. no. <laughs> it can't happen i'm Thank sorry the, i'm assuming that stoddard uh the technical advisor was like absolutely no. not yeah. i'm not gonna help you if you do that yeah yeah you gotta reach a point here that is yeah that is just ridiculous oh thank god gosh. they did not put that in there uh, when they shot, uh, sorry, when they shot a lot of the Wrigley Field scenes, it was actually in October. So they had some scenes where they shot where they wanted to have fans and stuff, where they actually shot it uh, in between a doubleheader uh, against the Cardinals. So that was when they had Henry come out to the mound, and they were the, they had to get the fans chanting Henry, Henry, Henry. So, uh, but a lot of other scenes where they were just getting stuff on the field and whatnot. They actually shot it in October after this small mm-hmm. season had ended. There's kind of a joke about how they were trying to secure the field and they were asking around, do you think they would let us borrow the field in October? And people were like, it's the Cubs, of course. They don't play in <laughs> They're October. They're not using this. Right? So after the season ended, the ivy on the wall was actually dead and brownish. Like it was turning brown. So the producers asked if they could spray paint it green and they were denied. They're like, no, you're not spray painting the ivy. So they ended up using green camo nets to put over the eye to make it look green. I tried to look and I couldn't pick it up. Yeah, know. whatever they did, I, I, it did a I good job. I could check again to see too. I don't. I didn't notice it either. I didn't really look that closely. Well, Cardinals are real fans. They'll actually chant and do things. So they, <laughs> they travel well to Chicago. So that makes <laughs> total true. sense. Uh, let's jump into our realism review. What was realistic 
and what was unreal. I'm going to go first on this one. I'm going to defer it. a lot of time to you because <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. I know how much oh, you have. Uh, I like the fact that they included the series that the Cubs hadn't won a World Series since 1908. That was factual. like yeah. that. Uh, the homer that he throws away over the fence totally unrealistic with the hat down over his face when he and i'm like come on kid like you're not just gonna get up randomly and just uh, throw windermere like would never do windermere is a hell of an athlete he wouldn't do that so like that that to me was As like, no, As like, no. that was a little bit just a little bit too it. much um uh i like the cameos from uh Benia and bonds i'm wondering if Benia is getting more money in uh in royalty checks from this or his, still his, $50 his, royalty yeah, his, his or his or his Mets contract is still paying him. Uh, he do or he do, whatever his name is uh, the, the notion of the, or the stereotype of the power hitter who can't hit a changeup. Oh yeah. Uh, I who they based him on. I don't Couldn't know. Find he is anywhere. a monster of a man. Like yeah. he, he looks rather large. Yes. Skip leg day though. Oh yeah. He's a mountain <laughs> of a man. Uh, it just no Sandos. Um, he looks like Rocky. He reminded me of Rocky. And then the biggest, the biggest thing that got in my craw, that we're to believe that this team not only gets to the World Series mm-hmm. but wins a World Series after barely winning their division, and losing their top one of their losing their top starter, arguably their top starter, and then their closer. Hey, they got magic. I'm just saying, and they barely scored they had any an runs. Alec Manoa in the minors. It's pre-Bartman. Oh, I'm just saying, that's Manoa my biggest. Those, Steve, those are Steve those are my those are my big ones. Steve Traxel, well done. Oh my god, those are my big ones, Jr. I'm going to defer to you. I want to hear Jr. break down Chet Stedman tagging the guy out at home plate because okay. we talked about this in texting earlier. <clears throat> I can do that. Do you want another beer, Jr.? No. Uh, I'm good. I'm going to ephus this one right over the roof of the house. <laughs> okay, where it lands, it lies, I guess. We'll feed the gophers beer. No thanks. That'll lay out there for weeks. No one will touch it. All right, uh, real. So I'm going to go with real. So like we already talked about, I wrote a few things down, the opening day feelings, like mm-hmm. you talked about, Jamer. And, Love it. And Webb. That, that's pretty awesome. It is, I mean, Wrigley, Wrigley like... Wrigley's like awesome. The Cubs, but Wrigley is awesome. The Chicago Cubs vibe, the way they do their show, is fantastic. It's probably one of the favorite places to go play a road game. It's the way they have, and this was before they did that reno in left field. You could see all the tops of the Wrigley, the, all the old houses and stuff. That's cool. Yep. Remember Tom Browning Waverly? when he pitched? That Waverly at, Avenue? I yeah. think so. Remember Tom Browning for Cincinnati pitched, and then after he pitched, he went out and sat on top of a roof. You can Google it. It's hilarious. He's sitting on the roof waving to his buddies back in the dugout. <laughs> he was a beauty, the big red machine. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, a couple of things on that. Uh, the, the, cat, the healing process with the tendons. Sorry, Wrigley Field, the disgruntled vet we talked about, which is pretty cool. Those disgruntled, miserable old veterans. I mean, yeah. that happens sometimes. I remember the first time I went to go get an autograph, one of my favorite Cardinal players, and he shot me down in the rain because he's like, I don't want to be in the rain. I'm not signing anything for you. And that's like a realism thing. That Jack Clark? Clark? hit it. Jack Clark. Woody Herzog, the manager. Oh, yeah. Wow. A, he got his car. He goes, in this rain. And they jump back in. The grumpy old prick. He was grumpy. So from that day on, I didn't like him. So I said, meeting your heroes and being disappointed. Uh, real, I mean, there was an Expo sighting. That was pretty cool. That was yeah. neat. Using the Expos, using the Mets, those are they're you know the bonds, Mets and Cubs bonds pre roids pre roids bonds with the when he had the cross ta- uh, earrings earring yeah. pretty cool. Um, so a couple of other things that looked pretty real. You guys talked about 
in the uh, using stand-ins. There's the a couple of the plays, the couple the double play they turn. That was pretty smooth. Yeah, there were a couple of smooth things. Guy first first base knew what he was doing too. He's a yeah. hell of a janitor in Scrubs. He is. <laughs> and do you not recognize him from Major League? Yep. He's the one of the guys from the uh, the road crew. Yeah. Oh yeah. These guys ain't so fucking bad. You know what was one thing the very rare thing that I actually connected with where I was like that is legit and real was there was one year I played up a league, I forget how old I was, and I moved up I jumped a league and moved up to I think it was the midget. And that's where you go to bigger parks. Humble brag. <laughs> and I was pitching for the first time and I was like, Oh god. And I pitched. I threw a pitch in. And the guy hit it. Conrad Funk took you deep with his garbage. Wasn't Conrad? (laughs) 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 I'll never forget that guy's name. I told them a story about this old guy from Saskatchewan who hit bombs off us with garden gloves. Officer Stanley, you'll know that. That was at the Canada Games. At the Nationals, Midget Nationals, I think it was. Not the Pee Wee. We're in Winnipeg. I think that that was Winnipeg. Did you get a T-shirt for that one? No, we got smoked. (laughs) (laughs) And then. so, no, what happens was I threw a pitch in, and we were at a big field at this point in Memorial and Cheryl. That was like three, was that the one Jeff Francis was pitching in or yeah. for BC or something? BC had Hard- Harden, oh, Morneau, J- and Francis on the same team. Yikes. Like, we didn't have a chance. Say goodnight, Kevin. Say, yeah, they, we did. Um, so, I threw a pitch in, and this is on a hardball park, a big park, like 380 to center, you know, like 320 to the corner, whatever. And a guy hammers one. And I was like, oh, God. Because in the league before, that's gone out of the small park. And I, I literally put my head down. I was like, oh, that got crushed. The center fielder caught it, you know, 10 steps in front of the warning track. Like, it was a fly ball to center. You just have that, like, motion. But, like, yeah. you know, where he, the guy hits it and he goes, oh, no, it's a double play. I remember feeling that at, like, 13, 14. I think I was 14. I can't remember what it was. But that feeling is real. Anyway, I went on on that one a little long. But uh, nope. that's a very real feeling like where you feel like you just got hammered. And you're like, oh, you're out. And you move, you, you're like, oh, we're good to go. Um, fake, I don't need to say anything. Everything's fake. No. Really. Like, we have a 13-year-old out here throwing 103. 103 miles an hour. Throws a frozen rope from the bleachers to home plate. throws four-seam 100-mile-an-hour pitches. Eventually, they are going to crush that. That's what I said, too. I said, MLB guys can hammer fastballs, especially if it's the only pitch you throw. You're throwing a four-seam 100-mile-an-hour fastball. They're going to crush that pitch eventually. Yeah. Uh, Chet Stedman? With his, with his home inability with the guitars, and he's trying to run in. I would have ran him over so hard if I'm that. Like, first of all, it's two outs. Why did the guy not run on contact? Yeah, that's a good been point. Strutting good point. home like Ric Flair, going woo at this point. Yeah, okay. Styling him profile, a limousine riding, jet flying, <laughs> kiss stealing freewheeling. He should have had that at that point. Okay, that was one thing when you said that to me. When I was like, he two outs. On contact, you're gone. Second of all, I would have ran Chet Stebman right over. What about what about the uh, the hidden ball trick? That's stupid. Oh, I have a note on that. <laughs> so that's so dumb. I looked it up because I'm like, we've seen hidden ball tricks. You know, we have seen hidden ball tricks, but they always do the hidden ball trick where they throw over to first, the guy fakes it back, and then kind of gets the guy leaning off or something. Yeah. So I look. I actually looked it up. So this is this never would have happened because there's a rule in there that you have to have the ball on your hand when you take the rubber. You can't be in the circle. So whenever they whenever they throw a ball over, uh, or sorry, whenever the pitcher steps off the rubber or whatever, um, or they have a meeting at the mound or they do something, 
that's considered a timeout and the time the timeout doesn't end until the pitcher has the ball in his hand on the rubber yeah so they would have still officially technically been in a timeout at that point in time when mm-hmm. he walks over with the ball in his glove and henry's got the rosin bag in his hand so technically it wouldn't have been allowed they yeah. would have just reset the play and been like no pitcher needs the ball then we start the we restart the game again so that that's they can't technically do a hidden ball trick the way they had or, orchestrated in the movie. If they had done it where he threw over, and then somehow maybe the maybe the guy had a rosin bag in his hand or something and threw that back to the pitcher and then kept the ball in his glove or however they've done it before. I remember Todd Helton got somebody a couple years ago or a few years ago. He got Matt Carpenter. Yeah, the Cardinals. That's right. And I think it was he faked. He Carpenter like had, had his head turned when he went down to reach reach in and then helton made it look like he threw the ball back his first base coach so threw him under the bus Car- yeah the carpenters carpenter got up took the lead and he just pulled the ball out of his glove and tagged him so that's how it's always done you can't do it the way that they had orchestrated no. so sorry to cut that no, out you're good. i just wanted to make a note on the yeah those are all things i mean the fake stuff we could go on forever it's a little fairy tale story yep, yep. it's a feel-good fairy tale story call it like it is it's an entertainment movie for kids yeah, yeah yep. I, one thing I had about Unrealistic too is that it's pretty obvious stuff, but Henry and his arm, power is one thing, but control is a completely different thing. Like, mm-hmm. how, how does he have pinpoint control for the most part? Have you not seen him load up the washing machine? <laughs> it's <laughs> yeah. true. Rowan Gardner takes a long look. Yeah, so takes it's like a long some, look at the runner. Somehow, <laughs> like, I, I have a feeling that a kid that really has no coordination to play baseball at all is not going to have the mechanics. The <laughs> Windermere ability. would have three strikes <laughs> all. <laughs> Windermere would have. Windermere would have no-no after no-no. <laughs> Hall of Fame numbers for Windermere. Yeah. Especially Windermere. since Henry's mechanics were atrocious and not repeatable. Really. That's right. Um, one realistic thing, I, or a couple of realistic things I had, though, is uh, I like how they did his at-bat. That's how a, a little kid would have an at-bat in the major leagues. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? You'd be terrified. It'd be like... So scary, and everybody that's involved would be, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, like you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, you think he'd barely step in there? I don't know. Thirteen-year-olds are stupid. Yeah, but Henry's like coming in hard. Henry's I know, like, but he'd still, you'd still step in. I can't imagine you'd barely step in like they did. He's yeah. not an athlete, though. Like he's he's a skinny he's a kid with a super high voice. Yeah. Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh. That part's a little bit. Funny. He's twelve too. He's supposed to be twelve. Sorry, that part's funny. With the mom, like where they cut her off before she, yeah, Yeah. I like that. No, I thought it was, I thought that was well done. I thought that was pretty well done. And then the other thing I had was, um, this is kind of a stupid thing, but the lob, so Henry throws gas Mm -hmm. and I don't think, I don't think the other team knew that he wasn't able to throw gas at that point, right? Yeah, because he got up and said he was okay. Yeah. And he does a couple of like chintzy things to get a couple out, but, uh. When he throws the lob ball floater, that might that that's probably going to get a major leaguer to swing and miss because they're just not ready for that. They're not looking for that, and it it's not easy to hit that shit. When Zach Genke throws an Evis pitch, no one ever swings. Yeah, because you're just your body's not used to it. You can't. It's hard. It's, yeah. And have you well, guys on ever, his too? Because it's coming in at such a weird angle. Exactly yeah. right. Have you guys ever like you? I think Jr. You've played in a game or two of like the actual law ball. Yeah, it's you, not easy. Where the other guy has to throw it. And it, it can. It has to hit something when it yeah. comes down. Right. There's a pl- uh, uh, not a board. Cranky throws his overhand though. Right? It's yeah, really hard. I've seen to it hit a couple those. times. 
It is. They're spinning pretty good. They're spin- and they come at such a weird angle. Your swing's not tuned up for a pitch like that. You know what I mean? Like yeah. Your, your swing path isn't ready for that. Especially, yeah, if you're not used to it. Those those people that play in those lob ball tournaments, they have the weirdest swing. It's like a massive uppercut So because it puts your puts your bat on a different plane. Yeah. So for him missing, swinging and missing that, that's kind of realistic to me. I'm like, if he's not, a, he's waiting for Henry to throw gas and he throws this floater that actually is a strike. He's like, eh. So... Anyway, I thought that was kind of realistic, as stupid as it sounds. Let's jump into the soundtrack. Music by composer Bill Conti. Conti has been nominated for three Academy Awards, including Gonna Fly Now for Rocky. He was uh, he won the Best Original Score for The Right Stuff. He has a long, successful film career, including credits on the Rocky film series, the Karate Kid movies, and Necessary Roughness. Uh, what did you think about this? I don't even notice. I, there wasn't much except for when they went on their like winning streak. Yeah. There's, songs. there's I, my only note is shout out to Ray Charles and his Pepsi jingle. Oh, yeah. 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 There's not much for me here. I got. I don't have anything, yeah. really. There's there's literally nothing we can really talk it's about. It's a cheesy, like, They have a 90s. terrible, and they have like a terrible Frank Sinatra, or sorry, Tony Bennett song. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Playing in the car when he's trying to hook his mom up with Chet Stem. Love the road, is lovely. The road, babe. The road, babe. The road, babe. The, road, babe. the, the second time around. Yeah. The road, babe. Uh, it was an appropriate song for the scene, though. Love's lovelier the second time around. Sure. Uh, but there was like some really corny, corny, nine, early 90s, like straight to radio song that was playing when they were in the boat. Yeah, oh, yeah. Like, yeah, it was very Karate Kid sounding. Like, yeah, that yeah. was like, yeah, like teenage love kind of songs. Yeah, yeah. There's compared to the other movies that he's done, this isn't even. There's nothing no. really. Billy Conti took a paycheck for this. Yeah, I wonder if they just wanted to. Throw he might have been. Uh, he might have been down at the old uh, gambling. I don't know. Playing in some of those games yeah. with uh, what was that guy from Rounders? Uh, John Malkovich's character. Pay him. Pay this man his money. His money. I stick it in you. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I, I don't know. He, what is I this? Think he oh, my God. That's going to drive me nuts. Uh, the, the, he had a nickname, right? Yeah. I can't remember what it was. It's going to bug me. We'll come to this later. Um, I say mother, but that's the other guy. Yeah. So let's, uh, let's jump into our wrap-up. Where does this movie rank among all-time baseball movies? And where do you have it among all-time sports movies? Um, <laughs> Tell me how you really feel about this one, JR. Uh, as a childhood movie, I really liked it. I owned the VHS back in the day. Uh, baseball movie? I don't know. Down in the bottom of baseball movies somewhere. Uh, All time movies? Way outside 150 um, for sports movie. I don't even know. Way down the way down the AM dial. I'll put it that way. I'm probably going to leave her back in 93. Didn't make the Excel sports uh, spreadsheet for me. No. No. Probably. Wait. I'm going to leave this one in 93 as well. Yeah. I'm just going to let it go. I don't know how many baseball movies there actually you are. You know you're going to watch it with Leo. So don't Of course you. I will. Yeah. yeah. I but it's know. a kid's movie. I was going to say, I don't know yeah. how many baseball movies there, there are. There might be, let's say, 35. Yeah. If that. I, I would still have this at like 35. Exactly. <laughs> it would, it's, it's barely hanging on as a baseball movie. What was that other one you watched that you said you felt? you? Oh, I don't even remember. Some terrible. It's behind that. Oh, yeah. Uh, no, it's ahead of that. So, okay, I'll put it at 34. <laughs> 34 and a half. 34. Full count or something like yeah. that it was called. Yeah. There's some corny ones. At least, oh. at least this movie, like, 
let's call it as for a kids movie it has a very like innocent like yeah it's, innocent. it's enjoyable like, like i've shown you know, leo's before. gonna love it and then he's of not course. gonna like it when he gets older yeah no, it's just an just innocent like movie we loved it like, when we were kids I, of course we did i had it on vhs as well i might have even taped it off of and it was a blue car you know, case and it didn't network. it's not like it ages terribly either nope it's I've actually, shown it yeah, many times. It, it looks it. It still looks reasonably. It's just a good okay. safe movie to throw on. Yeah, yep. and it's in modern day twenty twenty one. It's hard to find. It's just a safe, easy movie. Yep. with a sip, predictable plot lines and yep. whatever. And you're like, yep. you know what? And you just walk away, and you're like, oh, that was great. And you move on with your day. Yeah, I actually like if we're gonna talk about kids, kids being involved in baseball movies around this time, I much rather prefer. And I actually really like the other movie is uh, Little Big League. Yep. I saw it in the theater, I remember, with my Griff's in it. Yeah. So I do like that one. Yeah, absolutely. It's better than this one. For it's just sure. a kid's movie. Uh, so this week on our draft, we are going to talk about, we're going to kind of leave it open-ended whether you want to do greatest relievers, favorite relievers, or quirkiest relievers, whatever you want to do. But we're going to focus on, because of this movie, Henry's a reliever. Uh, so we're going to focus on, you know, our, let's say, favorite relievers of all time that'll be our draft absolutely so i went first last time go first do i have first go ahead web has first i'm gonna i'll be quite honest last you got second i was gonna say i i'm definitely uh gonna struggle this one compared to you guys i got uh i got a couple all right i'm going first overall for me going mitch wild thing williams because he gave up the most important home run in blue jays history so he's my favorite relief pitcher of all time excellent great pick and if you ever want to watch a hilarious video uh if you don't like mitch williams which i don't really particularly do uh what look him up on youtube and you can see him and lenny dykstra fighting uh at a club uh, when God. they're doing like a Phillies reunion thing, oh God, it's hilarious! Is that it better a, than those CFL old guys fighting with the canes? The canes? Oh. <laughs> they are just ripping each other. It's priceless, amazing. Those Phillies were skids. Uh, oh yeah, there was some interesting characters on that. Like team. Lenny Dykstra basically says, "Like you just lost it for everyone," and like it just carves him up, like oh, digs wow. into his heart. Oh, so check that out. Tough one. All right, so. Sometimes, I mean, there's tons of good closers I have on here. I love, like, your classic closer as well, where he's going to come in, and you're just not sure if he's going to slam the door or not. I love those kind of guys. You're like, here we go. Uh, I'm going with the guy who actually had pinpoint control. He had one of the more intimidating looks. He had great facial hair. Rest in peace. His nickname was the old gunslinger. He was a former cub. None other than Rod Beck. Yes. <laughs> and Rod Beck. Come Rod Beck was... Yo, weren't sure if he was going to slam it or not. But I remember it was San maybe. Fran. He was really good with San Fran. He was good with San Fran. Wow. The old gunslinger. Remember he'd come in and he had the hand that would dangle? That guy I, was crazy. I had his rookie card. It was either 87 or 88 tops. I oh, yeah. yeah. He's yeah. passed away, I believe. I didn't... I, I, I do remember yeah. seeing oh, somewhere... Rod Beck, the gunslinger. Uh, my first pick, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay on the same kind of... Uh, line that you are jr i'm gonna pick a guy this is a former first round pick who pitched out of the back end of the pen in the majors for about 16 years he's known for his violent head movement while on the mound yes prior to the pitch (laughs) he took a deep breath and moved his head very quickly 90 degrees to the left he explained that being stressed during pitching was the reason for his head movement uh during one game in the 2004 season houston astro craig biggio imitated 
Fetter's head movement and scowl while bat, uh, batting against him, drawing laughter from the crowd and from Fetters himself. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm talking about Mike Fetters. I don't know if you guys remember him. Nice. He was a beauty. Remember we used to do his impersonations? We did. We'd walk around and like look at each other. Like yeah. Fetters. We'd, we'd look the other way and then stare at him, <laughs> snap our head and stare at each other. Give each He's other like a good. random guy you'd meet him in town. He's the most common looking middle-aged fat man yeah. <laughs> see around he's a fat guy with goatee and a bad know. pair of wranglers yeah he was he was classic so i got the next pick as well yeah so i kind of went with quirky guys that was kind of my thing with relievers i wanted to do uh so this this one i wanted to talk about he spent part of his career as a starter but he did the back last half of his career as a closer um he was an all-star at 24 in his rookie season with the Montreal Expos. His career looked like it was taking off until he had an injury in uh, next season in 96 and ultimately uh, a slow decline with drugs and run-ins with the law. One uh, one thing, though, for, was for sure that he was an entertainer. He used to mimic the, emp- the umpire's motion after strikes. So every time he'd throw a strike, he'd, he'd stick his head. <laughs> Not every time, but a lot of times. And he had some pretty wild celebrations on the mound. One of the cool, funny things I remember he used to do, though, is when he had a runner on seconds, sometimes he would stick his head between his legs and look look at the runner <laughs> from between his legs. I'm talking about Carlos Perez. I that guy was Carlos awesome. Oh, he was wow. so good. He could beat up a water bottle. Yeah. He lose it. <laughs> Okay, uh, I'm going to come back here. There's a few other ones I'm going to take. Um, this guy, when he was on, he was dominant. Uh, he pitched for the Braves. He was a closer in some of their big years. Oh, I know this guy. He threw really hard. And first had, guy to throw 100 that I saw. And he had no clue where the ball was going, though. No. So he might walk 10, strike out 3, and hang on for dear life. And you, as a Brave fan, you white-knuckled her through the ninth inning with this guy. Uh, Mark Wooler's out there. Man, you threw hard. If you only knew where that thing was going, look out. There was a lot of white-knuckling in Fulton County Stadium or Turner Field or whatever he threw at. So I'm going to go Mark Wooler's. Good pick. Great pick. Uh, okay. I'm going to go Jays again, close to home. I got to go with the, the Terminator. Nice. Like, yes. it's not even a question. Uh, dude is unreal. Glasses are even better. Uh, as a kid, I loved, I just loved how angry and mean he always looked. Mean, loved every, mean, yeah, just prick. mean, nasty big. prick and big. And huge. Uh, and then third, I'm going to go, uh, he, he's got a little bit of a sordid history. I think he was on the Mitchell report, if I remember correctly, but, Gotta give him some love. Yeah. Who wasn't? Who, who wasn't? Uh, gotta give him some love strictly because he's Canadian. Uh, I'm going with Gagne, Eric Gagne. Nice. Oh, yeah, Eric Gagne. Yeah. Remember, he used to walk in in the Dodgers stadium with a game over in the background. Yeah. He's yeah. jacked. Yeah. Dude. Yeah. To give him a little bit of love. For sure. All right. Uh, my last one here. Who do I go with? There's lots left out there. Yeah, I'm going to go with this guy. He was really, really good. Um, I loved this guy because he was a fantastic closer and he's in some fantastic memories. And he wore 43. And this is episode yeah, 43. Oh, well done. Good pick. Good so pick. I'm going to go with this guy for the number. He was in so many, one of the most famous World Series moments. Unfortunately, he had a home run hit off him. He had pinpoint control. Started out as a starter. Sox in Cleveland. Then realized um, he was brutal after four or five innings. Would pitch four or five innings, be fantastic. Back end of the game, he was awful. So... They started putting him as a closer. Uh, he was a Cardinal at the end of his career. He was a fantastic Oakland A. 
Dennis Eckersley. Oh, yeah. The Eck with his awesome. flow, his duster. Yeah. And the best thing I remember the Eck is they'd always show his locker, and there'd be like cartons of Marlboro Reds in behind him, and you're like, oh, that's yeah. my guy right there. <laughs> he looks like a pure Oakland guy. Like, he reminds oh, yeah. me of that head coach a little bit from that last chance you. Yeah. You know, he likes the sun. You know, he drives yeah. Cadillacs. Too. Yeah. yeah. He rips darts, closes games, baby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't he do like. Like radio or something for Oakland for he the announced cards for the, games. Is that what it is? I think he's a Red Sox guy. Is it Red a, Sox? Is, oh, yeah. that's right. It's Red Sox. He's in right. hot water a couple years ago because um, he he called out. Uh, is it for Nesson? He was a cards announcer too. He was. He called out a Red Sox young Red Sox pitcher who's actually one of their guys. He's always hurt. Is Ed, Eduardo? Anyways, he's he's one of their guys. He's always hurt. He's got talent, but he just can never stay healthy. Anyway, called him out for kind of being soft, I think. And then David Price was on the plane, and he went back and like chewed him out on the. On I the remember flight, this basically, and like everyone's... David Price went out and chewed out. Yeah, the I remember oh, okay. this. He's probably like, well, that's what, that was my reaction. I'm like, okay, this guy's a Hall of Famer, and this guy pitched when you you drank like 12 beers, you threw two. You know, 300 innings a year, like all that type yeah. of stuff. I'm like, take it easy. Like, first of all, this this guy's a Hall of Famer. He knows it's not like he's just some no. some beat reporter that has never played and doesn't know what it's, these guys are going through. He went through it. Yeah, actually, he went through a part in his career where he dealt with substance abuse and and defeated it. Yeah, you know what I mean. In the heart of his career. So if anybody knows about adversity and stuff, he's allowed to have that opinion, whether he's right or wrong about it. He's allowed to have it. He's yep. some validity to him saying it. It's his job. Yeah. And it's his job. That's the other thing. He gets paid to do that. But I mean, good on price for being a good teammate. Yeah. Well, but, yeah. But at the same, and, and he's probably looking he, at it from like, Jesus, you're going to crush this poor kid. I probably would have handled it a different way if I and, were Price. But and price is, a, price is a big name guy trying to like, you know. Yeah. Yeah. He, no, he, right. When well, he came over from. Trying the, to be a leader. Trying to. Boston. Like, when he joined Boston. Like, think about it. He was like king shit there. Yeah. He just had a that great time. run with the Jays and everything else. Like, yeah, he spurned the Jays, which we were kind of not a big yeah, Jays. I'm not a big Price fan. No, sorry, I'm not after that whole thing no, with the Jays. I'm not a big Price guy. Um, all right, so my I got the last pick. There's lots, of lots of really cool ones, and I had some ones I wanted to pick, but I'm going to go with this guy. He's an All Star in 1973. He had a long career with some great seasons with the Red Sox in the 70s. While he was a talented pitcher, he was known more for his quirks and off-field stunts. Nicknamed Spaceman because he was far out there, this guy was on everything but roller skates over his career. When asked about the drug policy in Major League Baseball, he replied, I've tried just about all of them, but I wouldn't want to make it mandatory. (laughs) (laughs) He even started his own political party in the 80s called the Rhinoceros Party and ran for president. Okay. (laughs) He's a pretty wild guy. Uh, I have his book. It's hilarious. Uh, There's a movie on him, too, we should probably do at some point, uh, where Josh Dumel plays him. It's actually pretty entertaining. It's a funny movie. It's good. Uh, it actually focuses on his career after he kind of gets pushed out of baseball. Okay. And he's pitching a uh, uh, senior senior baseball Moncton in Mets. Montreal. Yeah. Play, play for Moncton Mets. But this one's when he was in Montreal. Oh, area. okay. It's hilarious. So anyway, we should probably check it out sometime. It'd be funny. I had a couple other guys too. Turk Wendell. Remember Turk Wendell? Oh, wait. Yeah. You didn't tell the audience who you actually picked. You didn't say his name. Bill Spaceman Lee. Okay, there you go. Oh, Sorry. You Sorry. just said Spaceman. Sorry. Oh, yeah. there's a ton of Bill Lee, Spaceman. Yeah. We never even said Raleigh Fingers. Yeah. 
Turk you can Wendell. throw Mariano in there. Remember oh, yeah, Turk Wendell? Turk Wendell used to Corky. brush his teeth in between any, every inning. I remember watching the game. Oh, yeah. They'd show him in the, in the, he'd be brushing his teeth and he chewed tobacco, uh, not tobacco, but licorice on the mound. Oh, gosh. Different breed relief pitcher. Pittsburgh Pirates had a guy back in the 70s and 80s, Kent Tacovi. Yes. He had like transition lenses and like a sidearm delivery. He was a beauty. <laughs> oh, yeah. Lock up. He was actually batters. pretty good, though. He was really good. Uh, remember Greg A. Harris? Greg Harris pitched yep. for the, um, I think he pitched, might have been on the Red Sox, and he was definitely the Expos. But I, he had a pretty 17 year career. But in 95, he became the first pitcher in the modern era to pitch with both arms in a major league game. I remember watching that game live because I was watching a lot of baseball, a lot of Expos games back then. But he, as early as 86, he, he was ambidextrous and he could throw really well with both arms, but no team would let him do it. Um, as early as 86, when he was with the Mets, I think he tried to do it and, they, and the Mets were like, no. So finally, in the Expos were like, yeah, go ahead. So in the September 28th game, he came out against the Cincinnati Reds, retired Reggie Sanders, and then pitched while he was pitching right-handed, switched to left-hand for the next two batters, which was Hal Morris and Ed Tobinsey, uh, who... Those are names from the past. Yeah, he walked Morris, got Tobinsey to ground out, and then he went back to right-hand to retire Brett Boone and Danning and wow. got, out of the, got out of it. So his uh, glove which is custom built with an extra thumb so that he could use it on either hand is now on display in the national baseball hall of fame. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Very cool. There's so many people out there that you can pick from. Oh yeah. There's some great ones. Like I like the quirky closers who I love closers. Like Jose Mesa comes in. You're like, I don't know if we're going to hang on for this one. Like, yeah. God knows. Jose Lima. Remember Jose Lima? Oh man. Lima time. Yeah. Uh, Rick Aguilera. Yeah. You're just like, here we go. <laughs> there You're rolling the dice like in the night. <laughs> They're like, here we the go. The Jays have had a few guys like that. Billy Koch. Oh, oh Billy BJ Koch. Ryan. BJ, BJ Ryan. Ryan. You're like, oh. I love how Kirk Hayhurst rips him in his book. That's yeah. Cool. But good one, boys. Yeah, that was great. Why well, don't you tell them where to hit us up? Well. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening engaging with us on social. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and leave us a review. And please continue to engage with us on Twitter at Big League Flicks, on Instagram at Big League Flicks Pod. Check us out on YouTube and check us out on TikTok as well. Take care, everyone. Cheers, boys. Big League Flicks, Jordan, Christian, and Jammer talking movies about sports and the glitz and the glamour. Got a cold beer pairing for the leading lady staring. Fun facts and trivia and man rocket comparing. Soundtracks and music, they'll rate all these things. Was it real or did they lose us as the fat lady sings? Talking junk, have a giggle, comedy, drama, romance. Did the film deliver six to noon in my pants? With their big bag of tricks, these podcast critics. Jordan Christian and Jammer with Big League Flicks. Jordan Christian and Jammer with Big League Flicks. Jordan Christian and Jammer.